But first, suspensions and expulsions are the classic school punishment for misbehavior when detentions don't cut it. But at Chicago Public Schools, these have exposed racial disparities with black male students getting suspended or expelled at much higher rates. Almost a decade ago, the then CEO of CPS, Barbara Bird Bennett, wanted to address these disparities and began implementing alternatives to suspensions, things like peace circles and teaching accountability. And a new study looks at CPS data and found the number of suspensions has dropped to close to 50,000 district-wide in 2014, or from 50,000, rather, to 10,000 last year. So joining us now to dig into those details, Sarah Karp, a WBEZ education reporter. Welcome back, Sarah. Thanks for having me. So this drop in suspensions, that's that's pretty big, 50,000 to 10,000. Your reaction, though? Well, this has been going on for for the last decade where there is, you know, a con- consistent um, decrease. And one thing is that at that point that um, then CEO Barbara Bird Bennett wanted to reduce um, suspensions and expulsions, the code of conduct was changed. So it made it so it limited what you could suspend and expel a, a student for. And it's, since then, it's been limited even more. So... You know, that's one reason why there's fewer suspensions and expulsions for sure. Because, uh, for example, it said for certain more minor offenses, you couldn't um, suspend kids. Mm-hmm. So so then you you had to figure out some other way to deal with them. So that that is definitely one reason. But also at the same time, there's this big push for um, restorative practices. Mm-hmm. And so that's what this study was looking at. How did that push for restorative practices end up working um, along the lines of, pushing for also reducing suspensions and expulsions. Yeah, and before we get more into those practices, Sarah, I want you to help us connect the dots and and take us back uh, 10 years ago, right? The district CEO at the time felt the need to make this kind of shift. Why? Well, for one thing, there was a really huge disparity in who was being suspended and expelled, and there was a lot of research that showed that this just did not help kids. That the more you were suspended, the more you were, you got suspended. So it was, you know, it didn't it didn't make you change your behavior. It just kept happening. It just kept happening, and you know the the, the disparities were huge. And the kids that needed to be in school were basically being told go home. Um, and and so it just it wasn't it wasn't a good thing. And it, this also came at you know sort of the same time that people were were really um, honing in on the idea of whether these zero tolerance, um, you know, code of conduct where every, you know, we were, we thought that, okay, if you can sort of suspend kids or or take some action on small offenses, then that will prevent bigger offenses. But there's a lot of questioning as to, does is that really true? Does that really help? You know, does that really make schools safer? And Mm -hmm. I think that was, that was the, the thing that a lot of people were talking about. So what are these restorative practices? What what did that actually look like? And what was the key for them to work? Yeah, so restorative practices can mean a lot of things. I mean, the, the general idea is that rather than, you know, just disciplining a child, you try to help the child understand the consequences of their behavior and where it's possible to repair some of the harm that that, that behavior creates. So, you know, for example... If two kids are getting to a fight, instead of just like suspending both of them or suspending the one that's like the bigger offender, sit them down, have them talk through. How did you feel? How did you feel? Why? Why? You know, why are you in this conflict? 
can you find some common ground? Things like that. So you talk about peace circles. That, that was a, a that's a big um, idea. But also just peace rooms where you know you send two or three kids and you say, okay, here's where we're going to speak out about what's going on. But then there's also things like um, one of the researchers was was telling a story of how a child was writing on a desk and rather than punish the child. The child then had to have a conversation with the custodian who told him how he has to spend many hours, you know, cleaning this writing off the desk Mm. and how it makes him miss his children's sports events and it affects his life. And I think, you know, and then the researcher said that the kid had an epiphany like, oh, this has consequences. This is not just about I wrote on the desk. It doesn't mean anybody. So they're really getting to see how they've harmed someone. Right. So then maybe next time they'll think again. Because a lot of times if you don't realize that, then then you don't realize why you need to change that behavior. Yeah. And we've talked about how black male students were being suspended at higher rates. The study shows that this same group of students, they were the ones that were most positively impacted by this switch. Right. What do you make of that? Right. So one of the things that the school district did is that they decided to provide restorative um, practice coaches for a certain number of schools. And these were schools where the suspension and expulsion rates were super high. They were also very low performing schools. So these were schools where, you know, there were predominantly black male, black male and black um, young women attending. So that was one reason, because where you found the greatest effects is where you had this intense support toward the move to restorative practices. Okay. Um, you know, the other thing is, you know, I, I think this is just, you know, a little bit of, of my opinion, but I think that kids generally want to be told, want to be supported and shown the right way. I don't, I don't know that, that it surprises me. Like if somebody can effectively show a, a young person a better way to be, it doesn't surprise me that they, adopt that way to be. Mm-hmm. This study was also looking at uh, the, the students' perception of the school climate. Talk us through that. Right. And this is one that is really, really interesting because before this happened, and even after this happened, even now, people, teachers, parents think that, oh, well, if we have restorative practices rather than exclusionary discipline, that's going to result in having all these bad kids that are in school and making the classroom chaotic and making everybody disruptive and making it worse for everybody. Mm-hmm. That was like the big fear going into this. And as it turns out, though, where there are stronger sort of practices, kids report better climate. So they say that they trust the school more, that it's calmer, that they have, you know, that, that it's a, a better environment for learning. And so that just blows the idea that the result of keeping kids in school is going to result in a more, you know, crazy environment. You just talked about a, a better environment to learn, right? And and we know that uh, uh, there was an impact of fewer suspensions on test scores. Right. Well, especially this is also the one thing that's very interesting. For most groups, there was not a negative impact, but there wasn't necessarily a positive impact. But for black male students who had been suspended the most and saw the biggest reductions in schools that adopted strong restorative practices, those students saw significant gains in their math test scores. And, you know, in some ways that makes sense because if you are in school to go to math, 
then you might be able to do it better, you know, <laughs> right, right. if you are able to attend. So, so yeah, that, that, that is interesting. But on the flip side, you know, sort of what the point I was making before about school climate, a lot of people thought if you keep the kids that are disruptive in classrooms, then and you don't suspend them, then the classroom environment will be worse. The teacher will be spending all of her his time mm-hmm. focusing on the child that's being disruptive, and test scores will go down. But that also didn't turn out to be the case. They they didn't go down, but they and and for black male students they went up. Yeah. So well, you mentioned teachers. What are we hearing from teachers and administrators about this switch and and its you know effect on on suspensions? One thing that we need to note is that this study looked at a group of schools that got very intense supports to move towards restorative practices. And in those schools, those were the schools that, according to the study, sort of drove this big decrease in suspensions and expulsions. There's been decreases across the board, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily implementation of restorative practices across the board. Mm. So some of the things that people were afraid about, um, like kids that aren't getting, that are being kept in classrooms, but aren't getting any, you know, help in dealing with the behavior. Yeah. Some of that is happening. And I think that. And it's probably making teachers jobs harder. Right. And so that's, I, you know, one thing. I was, um, you know, reflecting on is that there has been a lot of reaction to the story that I I wrote about this study um, with people saying it's just because they stopped suspending people and you're not in the classroom and you don't know what it's like. And I think that it's, you know, what's to note is that if there are strong restorative practices, then some of these negative things don't happen. But you know, where there is an absence of restorative practices, simply saying don't suspend kids, don't expel kids, does not makes puts a teacher perhaps in a, in a, in a difficult mm. position. So it just just saying be restorative is not is not akin to being restorative. I mean, it, we need it, some action. You need action and you actually need staff. You need people who know what they're doing, who can take the time, you know, and and for sure, you know, even just over the last decade, there's been different levels of support and different moments when, you know, that at that point 10 years ago, they put $15 million into providing this intensive support. That has not maintained over time, but there have been different initiatives over time. So, yeah, so it's, and, you know, also schools change, you know, principals change, priorities change. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, th- these things aren't kept up the same way. So then moving forward, Sarah, I mean, what could this mean for the way that policymakers and CPS leadership think about punishment? Well, for sure, the message I think this study sends is that if you can implement strong restorative practices, you can create a better environment for kids and have to use less, you know, punitive, less exclusionary, you know, discipline and that that's good for kids. So, you know, that message, I think, Chicago Public Schools, I think they they think that that is the case and they want to implement you know, restorative practices across the board. And I I also think it's always a convincing thing of, for schools. So hopefully this will, you know, maybe convince a couple schools that, hey, if we really do this, we can really get some good results. That's Sarah Karp, WBEZ education reporter. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you.